Welcome to Fair Talk, where we set out to provide enduring discussions on contemporary topics relevant to our economy, with particular emphasis on food, agriculture, and the environment. My name is Brady Deaton, Jr. of the Department of Food, Agriculture, and Resource Economics at the University of Guelph. I'll be your host. Today is November 20th, 2018. And my special guest on Fair Talk today is Professor Richard Vine of the Department of Food, Agriculture, and Resource Economics at the University of Guelph. Professor Vine has spoken on Fair Talk before. He is one of North America's foremost experts on wind turbines and their effects on surrounding property values. And that is what he's going to be speaking to us today about. This is a very special podcast in the sense that it's being recorded live in the class, a land economics class at the University of Guelph. And after Richard speaks for a moment, I'll turn over the questions to the class. And that's how the podcast will be um, conducted. Richard has just published a very interesting and important article in Land Economics, and a link to that paper will be made available to you, and that will be the subject of this podcast. Richard, welcome to Fair Talk. Thanks a lot, Brady. Rich, if you could, just to get the ball rolling, give us kind of the elevator speech of what the recent article that you wrote is about. Sure, yeah. So... I have been interested in doing research on the impacts of wind turbines on property values, uh, and I've, I've done a couple of prior studies, uh, smaller studies here in Ontario. And over the past number of years, this issue has really taken on a life of its own with the, the controversy that has raged across the province regarding the, the, the whole issue of wind energy development. And there's a number of issues that are, you know, that have arisen as a result of the, uh, the expansion of this industry. Uh, one of those in particular is the, the impact on property values. And prior to my study, there hadn't been a comprehensive study done on the impacts that, pr- that wind turbines have had on property values. And this, uh, I felt this was necessary just because of the attention that this issue has received uh, there had been a, a couple of very small studies. There's been a lot of conjecture about what the, the impacts are in, the, in this province. And I wanted to address those, uh, the, this issue head on. And I was fortunate enough to have a, a very great database, uh, have rural residential property sales that I could use to try and tease out the, the impacts that, uh, that nearby turbines have had on these uh, property values. And so I looked at uh, all of southwestern Ontario, where the wind energy development in the province has been concentrated, and was able to identify distances between each of the properties and the nearest wind turbine. And what I found was that, uh, that, that there have been negative impacts on property values in Ontario. Part of the reason for doing this research also is that when you, when you look to studies that have been done in other jurisdictions, there, there isn't really a consensus in terms of what the, the impacts of wind turbines have been. In some studies, they have found negative impacts, and in others, they have not. And that has led me to believe that whether or not impacts occur has more to do with, uh, with, with the context of each situation. And so that may be the reason why we have not seen uh, consistent results across a number of jurisdictions. So I wanted to explore you know, what factors may contribute to, you know, to, to being able to see 
impacts occur in some areas but not in others. And Ontario was kind of a, a, a prime example from which to examine this issue. And as I discussed in the paper, there's, uh, you know, there's two types of municipalities that have emerged here in Ontario. There's those that have declared themselves to be unwilling hosts, where they, they don't want wind energy development to occur in their, uh, in their municipality. And there's those that have appeared to remain unopposed to wind energy development. And so I was curious as to whether the, the differences in attitudes between these two types of municipalities may have contributed to, uh, you know, to, to the difference in, uh, in impacts that have been observed across prior studies. And, and that is exactly what I've found, uh, where in unwilling host municipalities, there were very significant and, and large impacts on property values, while in the unopposed municipalities, I didn't find any evidence of, of significant impacts on property values. So, so that's kind of the, uh, the overview of what my study looked at. And, and I, I feel like this study has sort of helped to address the, you know, for one, the, the controversy that we've had in Ontario. So it's, it's evident that there certainly have been impacts on property values. And, and I think, you know, this, this, this is the first study that's kind of looked more broadly you know, all across Ontario instead of at, you know, one specific wind farm at one particular point in time. And I think maybe it also explains some of the varied results that we've seen in, uh, in previous studies. So uh, before I guess we get started on questions, I, I have a question for, for you. Do any of you come from areas where we've had wind turbines? And if so, what, what has been your experience? My name is Raven. It's nice to speak to you today. Um, so I'm from Windsor, Essex. Uh, there's been a lot of development, I think, in like Essex, but especially in Chatham-Kent. Um, so driving up to Toronto, I've seen them a lot. And um, I personally never had any uh, negative um, opinions on them. Uh, sometimes they cause some traffic when they were building them. Yeah, okay. Anybody else from areas close to wind turbines? All right. Yeah, I was just curious. You know, sometimes it helps to uh, to talk to people who you know who are you know right there where the the turbines are being developed. I think that's one uh, one area that sort of led to this controversy in Ontario is that you know we've, we're trying to develop uh, alternative energy sources, but you know it has uh, it has varied impacts or distribution of impacts on you know those that might be close by to where the energy is being uh, being developed versus those that are at greater distances, and so that can lead to a bit of, uh, a bit of conflict as well. But anyways, let's carry on with, uh, with some of the questions. Hi, Professor Vine. My name is Jaden. I'm very excited to have you here today to learn about your perspective on the research that you've been doing. And my question for you is, how has the literature changed since you first began your research on the relationship between wind turbines and property values in Ontario? Right. So, yes, there, there's been a fair bit of research done over the past... Uh, eight or ten years, and some of the earlier studies were were done where they they looked at uh, at generally smaller areas uh, where wind turbines have been developed, and a lot of the earlier studies were based on data sets that didn't have a lot of properties that were in close proximity to turbines, and and so that that can complicate trying to tease out the effects of wind turbines on on property values, but that. That, uh, that, that was kind of how things were early on. So that was when we were just starting to, to try and get a sense as to whether impacts have occurred. A number of studies also kind of looked at what people's 
opinions were of turbines and, and whether there was some willingness to pay to have turbines sited further away from them and kind of using those types of studies to determine whether turbines have had impacts on property values. So that's, that's sort of an indirect way to determine whether, there's, uh, whether the, the turbines have impacted property values. But in, the, in more recent years, we've seen a number of studies that have been based on very large data sets with quite a few observations that are in close proximity to turbines. And so that helps to, to generate more robust estimates of impacts on property values. Uh, so we've seen also different ways to account for the impacts. It's a little bit tricky sometimes to determine how exactly do you determine what, you know, whether there's been an impact on property values. How do you account for that impact? And a lot of studies have based this on proximity to turbines, just given the, the visual effect of turbines and how that visual effect will diminish with distance. Um, more recently, some studies have used digital elevation tools to try and, and create an idea of what the, what the view shed actually is. So whether, you know, when you, when you go out in the countryside, there, you know, you may have a turbine that's close by, but there may be landscape features that, that block that view, whether it's trees or, or anything like that, hills and so on. Uh, so they use digital elevation tools to try and figure out, you know, is this turbine actually visible from, uh, from a specific property? So the, the literature has certainly developed there, um, you know, gotten, gotten better ways to try and, and, and estimate the impacts on property values. But interestingly, interestingly, one thing that has not changed has been the lack of consensus among these studies. So even with studies that, uh, that have a much larger data set, um, you know, more advanced tools to assess the impacts, we still have results for some studies that have found impacts on property values and others that have not found impacts. Hi, Professor Vine. Uh, my name is Zara Mahmoudi. Thank you for being here today. Uh, the media coverage on, uh, of wind turbines seems prim primarily focused on potential negative impacts. For example, we watched a documentary, Big Wind, that some of us felt was primarily focused on the negative impacts of wind turbines. Do you think this kind of media coverage influences public perceptions of wind turbines and in turn influences the effect of wind turbines on property values? Yes, I think the media coverage is, is definitely going to have some type of influence. And, you know, I think we've, we've definitely seen a lot of media coverage in Ontario, just given the, the, the controversy that ensued following, you know, the, the proposal and the construction of, uh, of, of all these wind farms. And, and so, yes, I think, I think there certainly has been an influence from the media. Now, I'm not saying that in a way to, to try and suggest that the media has had undue influence or that, you know, they have contributed to the issue here because they're, they're merely reporting, you know, stories that are of interest, stories that, that are of concern to, to quite a few people. So I think in a lot of these communities where, where wind farms were being proposed and, and ultimately constructed, there were a lot of people that were upset about that and had concerns. And so the media, especially local media outlets, were we're printing a lot of stories about uh, about the concerns that these people had, and uh, and rightly so. Um, but but yes, there were there were so many stories on it that I think it would be hard not to be aware of those and not and and eventually at some point if you read if you read a story enough times or hear the same story over and over again you may you may start to believe it more so than perhaps you previously did. 
Um, so yes, I think that's been an impact, but I don't want to, don't want to suggest that the, the media went too far with this. Definitely not. They're, they're doing their job in reporting the, you know, what's happening in their communities. But I, I do think that it does have an impact, and there has been some, uh, a number of studies that have demonstrated that, yes, media reports can influence people's perceptions, um, specifically of, of wind turbines and their impacts. Hello, Professor Vine, and thank you for coming speaking with us today. Your paper is the first to empirically assess the effect of wind turbines on property values, allowing for the effect to vary depending on whether municipalities define themselves as willing or unwilling hosts. What made you decide to consider the willing versus unwilling characterization in your research? Well, after looking at the, the existing studies where we've seen varied results, uh, it's evident that there, there must be something that's contributing to, uh, to the lack of consensus here. And, and from reading some of the, the studies on you know, how people view turbines, it's evident that you know, some people really don't like them, don't like how they look, and are concerned about their impact, and others actually do like how they look. And so that made me wonder whether you know, the, the differences in people's perceptions of turbines would contribute to... Uh, to, to differences in the, the impacts. Now, it's a little difficult to, uh, to, to try and tease out that effect in general just because, you know, surveys that have been done on people's perceptions, you know, they're looking at individuals, not uh, at um, everybody within a, a certain area. But just how things went here in Ontario when you started to get some municipalities that uh, where, where obviously a, a very large proportion of their residents were against wind energy development... Um, and, and as such ended up declaring themselves to be unwilling hosts. Uh, but yet you still had other municipalities that really didn't seem to, to go down that road and, and didn't seem to mind it. That sort of suggested that there were enough people in, in those other municipalities that, that were not opposed. And so I kind of used, uh, used those two types of municipalities as, as a way to, to, to kind of serve as a proxy for for differences in perceptions of turbines and in attitudes toward turbines. Hi, Professor Vine. Uh, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, so I wanted to start by mentioning a very interesting statistic that you mentioned in your paper. So you write that in Ontario, there were only 10 turbines in 2003, but that this increased to 2,300 uh, by, 2000, by 2015. So that's a pretty big increase um, that you mentioned is in part due to the 2009 Green Energy Act, uh, promoting clean energy and growing the green sector. So how has this legislation influenced public perception of wind turbines and what implications might this have? Well, I think when that legislation was passed, I mean, the, 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 the main emphasis there was to try and develop uh, alternative and renewable sources of energy, um, given some of the concerns, particularly environmental concerns related to uh, existing sources of energy. And, and so on the face of it, I think that that sounds uh, like an appropriate path to take, um, you have to try and find ways to, uh, to increase the amount of energy that's produced from renewable sources. I think where, where the government got themselves into a bit of uh, trouble with this legislation was sort of how they, went about, uh, how they went about expanding the wind energy industry. So I think the, the legislation itself wasn't, uh, wasn't necessarily the issue, but what happened is, is you know, because the government was so focused on trying to, to expand uh, wind energy and solar and others, 
they, uh, they, they took steps to, to do whatever they, they could to, to increase the, the wind energy industry. And that also involved taking away the, the, the decision-making ability of the municipalities regarding whether or not wind energy facilities were sited in, uh, within their jurisdictions. And that's, that's where I think the, the, the legislation started to perhaps have an impact on, on people's perceptions, was sort of the, the mechanism through which the wind energy, energy development actually occurred. So I, I explained a little bit of, the, of this in the paper where the, the provincial government could allow for wind energy development to occur even if the municipality was completely against it. And, of course, you can imagine that if you're in that municipality and, you know, you've decided as a municipality you don't want to have wind energy development occurring there, but then the provincial government comes in and overrules your decision, that's probably going to cause uh, some hard feelings. And, you know, I think that uh, that came out in sort of how people viewed wind energy as a result. Uh, whereas when you look at... Uh, a couple of the wind farms that were put up earlier on prior to the Green Energy Act, in those cases, the municipality themselves chose to, to go ahead with wind energy development. So you didn't run into the same issues there. And I, I think it seems in some of those cases, there, there are more people that are in favor of, of wind energy in, the, in those municipalities. And you didn't hear as much about the negative perceptions of wind turbines. Hi, Professor Vine. I'm Sarah. In your paper, you noted that municipalities that are opposed or unopposed to wind turbines are not opposed or unopposed absolutely. The label represents the general opinions regarding wind turbines in that municipality. With that in mind, did you find consistencies in municipalities that were labeled as un opposed or unopposed to wind turbine projects? I take it to mean looking at whether there's whether there's similarities in, uh, among municipalities that declared themselves as unwilling hosts? Is that yes. I, I, I think there are some. Like it seemed that a lot of municipalities that did declare themselves unwilling hosts were those where there were proposed projects um, or perhaps even just talk of proposed projects. But on the other hand, there were also some, some municipalities that did not declare themselves an unwilling host where there were also some wind facilities developed as well. So... Uh, so it's hard. It's a little hard to say, and it's actually something I'd like to look into a little bit more to to see, you know, whether there's some, yeah, some factors that you see that are you know specific to some of the unwilling host municipalities. Like, is there are there some demographic factors that would make a municipality more likely to be an unwilling host, or is it kind of the the process that uh, that occurred with respect to the wind energy development in that municipality that would you know, are there some similarities there across the unwilling host? So it's, it's hard to say exactly. It's certainly not the case that the unwilling host municipalities are those that have had wind energy development occur there and the, you know, those that are unopposed, municipalities that are unopposed, have not had wind energy development. That's, that's not the case. Um, but I am curious about whether there are some, some other factors that are similar across unwilling host municipalities, and I do hope to take a, take a look at that in the future. Hi, Dr. Vine. Thank you for being with us today. Um, my name is Morgan. I'm a fourth-year environmental sciences student. Um, I'd like to turn the discussion towards the data and methods in your most recent study. Uh, the analysis in your paper uses open market sale data from the Municipal Property Assessment Corporation um, between 2002 to 2013. 
Could you provide some insight into why you also chose to include the three temporal variables of pre-turbine announcement, post-turbine announcement, and post-construction in your analysis? Yes, um, trying to trying to appropriately account for turbine impacts is a little bit tricky, um, just because it's not like one day they're all there and now they're starting to have an impact, and and so that's you know that's been sort of the challenge for a number of studies that have been done in, on this issue is you know trying to determine at what point would you expect the impacts to start to occur um, with the wind energy development process, you know, it goes through a number of stages um, from, you know, when they, they first decide to put up a wind energy facility to when you can actually see the physical structures. So obviously we would expect that once, once the turbines are up, that that's when you, you would expect impacts to occur. But, you know, there's, a, there's that whole process leading up to when, when they're physically constructed that uh, during which period you may also find that there are some impacts. Um, because when the, when the process is ongoing, you know, there's going to be access roads that are put in, they're, they're going to be putting in the foundation. Uh, so the, the process can take a few months. Um, they may also be doing some, some prior work, some environmental assessments. The communities at, at some point do become aware of the fact that there may be a wind farm that's going to be constructed there. And so somewhere, somewhere in that process, we could start to, to see some impacts occurring. Um, on the other hand, we, would, we wouldn't expect any impacts to occur prior to, uh, you know, a public announcement of a wind farm being put in place. So that's why I kind of have, have divided the time period up into three. So we have the, you know, the pre-announcement period, so prior to any public knowledge about, uh, about a, a wind farm being constructed. So in that period, you certainly wouldn't expect there to be any impacts. Then there's the, the post-construction period. And that's after the, the turbines have been constructed. And you would expect that if impacts are going to occur, you would certainly see them occurring in that period. And then we kind of have this in-between period. So it's kind of the, the, the post-announcement and pre-construction period. So everything that happens you know, uh, following the announcement of the wind farm uh, all the way up to the construction period. And during that, that time period, you may start to see some impacts. And so looking at some studies that have been done, uh, some have found impacts during this announcement period and others haven't. Um, in the case of my study, I did find that there were impacts occurring you know, during the, this intermediate period. And I think because people in the area become aware that there are going to be turbines there, the locations become uh, available, you know, people know where they're going to be even if they're not physically there yet. And so that can start to have an impact then on, uh, on the property values. Um, hi, Professor Vine. Uh, typically, it's common practice for economists to empirically assess the impact of wind turbines on property values by determining the effect that proximity to wind turbines has on the sales prices of nearby residential properties. So in your model, you also include variables involving turbine density, distance from the nearest turbine, as well as time period control and contextual variables. In addition, in your paper, you used a difference in differences method. We were hoping you could explain this approach further and how it adds benefit to the analysis. Right, yes. So for, for doing these studies, there, there, are some, uh, there are some approaches that are used that, you know, they, they can be a little bit difficult to explain for those who haven't used them before. So essentially, 
what, uh, what I'm trying to do is to figure out whether you know, being close to a turbine has an impact on the property value. Now, you could look at, well, you know, before the turbine was put up, you know, your house was worth this amount, and then after the turbine was put up, well, now, now properties in this area are worth, you know, 5% more. Um, so does that mean that the turbine caused the property value to go up? Uh, well, not necessarily, because there, there's other factors that uh, that occur um, in between. So when you're looking at trying to tease out an effect, you, what you want to do is to compare any price changes that have occurred in an area where turbines might impact property values to an area where there are no turbines. Okay, so in this example, I say that, well, you know, from the period before the turbine went up till the period after the turbine went up, property values went up by 5%. But in areas where no turbines went up, property values went up 10%. So this difference in differences looks at comparing the, the change in value in areas where you would expect to see turbine impacts to changes in value that occur in areas where you don't expect to see turbine impacts. So you're not looking at specifically whether the values have gone up in a particular area, but the relative change in values. So in areas, if, if we find that property values in areas close to turbines have gone up by 5%, but property values in areas that are not anywhere near turbines have gone up by 10%, then we're looking at the relative difference there. So it suggests that uh, the, the, the increase in value that occurred in you know, the, the control area, where there are no turbines, is greater than the increase in the, the treatment area or the area where turbines have been constructed. And so that's kind of what we're, we're looking at. And if there is a, a bigger change in value or bigger increase in value in areas without turbines, then we kind of take that to mean that the turbines have kind of, it's not that they've necessarily reduced the value, it's just that they've reduced the value relative to what it could have been if the turbine wasn't put up. Okay, so that's, that's kind of how you, what the difference in differences refers to. So it's, a, it's the difference in the change in values that occur you know, in a control area with no turbines compared to the change in value that occurs in an area with turbines. Now, it's also important to account for uh, a wide variety of factors that, that affect um, property values in general. So you know, if, if you look at, uh, for example, one area where um, you know, close to turbines where property values are, it seemed to be higher than in another area, you know, or relative to, uh, to a house in an area further away, it doesn't mean that turbines have positively impacted the value of this house close by, because maybe there's some differences in other factors. So you want to account for factors that generally impact the value of, of houses, such as, you know, square footage, you know, whether there's a pool, uh, whether there's, uh, you know, fireplace, you know, a whole number of factors that are going to contribute to the value. So after accounting for all these other factors that, that account for a house's value, then you can compare, you know, so what happens, what about this, this attribute, you know, of being close to a turbine? How does that impact the value? So, it, you know, without going into the, the specifics of how to, how to run these models, that's essentially what you're, you're trying to look at. Hi, Professor Vine. Uh, my name is Connor. I'm a fourth year environmental economics and policy student here at the university. Um, so now I'd like to sort of open the discussion to the results of your recent study. So in your paper, I noticed that your sample size of observations for analysis in unopposed municipalities is much less than the observations for opposed municipalities. 
So why is that? Is it simply that there are far more municipalities that are generally unopposed to wind turbines, or is there another sort of reason behind this? Yeah, in terms of the municipalities that are included in the data set, there were a lot more that declared themselves to be unwilling hosts um, versus those that were unopposed. So as a result, there were more observations in municipalities that were unwilling hosts compared to the unopposed municipalities. So that's, that's kind of why we see a, a big difference in, in the sample sizes there. Hello, Professor Vine. Uh, my name is Tim. Thanks for coming into class today. In your paper, information from Wind Concerns Ontario was used to classify a municipality as either opposed or unopposed to the construction of wind turbines. How would you interpret the economic and statistical differences that were found when comparing the effect of wind turbines on property values in opposed and unopposed municipalities? Yes, yeah, so what I was, or what, what the model that I used was trying to do is to first determine whether there's a statistically significant impact of being close to, uh, to a wind turbine. And I did find that to be the case for properties in the unwilling host municipalities or in the opposed municipalities, but did not find that to be the case in the unopposed municipalities. So, so you draw a distinction in your question between the, the economic and the, and the significant uh, significance of the, the impacts. And so just because you find a statistically significant impact, you also want to look at, well, is that impact actually you know, economically uh, relevant? So if you find a statistically significant impact that's only you know, 1% to 2%, you know, that's not really a big impact that you, would, that you would have on a property value. And sure, while it may be statistically significant, it's not really having much of an impact on the market itself. But in the case of my study, where I looked at the, the impacts specifically for the unwilling host municipalities, the impact ranged more from about 5 to just over 9%, depending on how close you were to the turbine. And so when, when you get up over 9%, that starts to be a fairly uh, economically a relevant impact. So, it, you know, if you, if you lose 9% off the value of your property, I think it, it starts to raise some concerns among, uh, among property owners. Hi, Professor Vine. I'd like to ask you a question related to the implications of your research. Given that some municipalities like Chatham Kent are willing hosts for wind turbines, do you think that it is possible that some properties in willing host municipalities could see an increase in property values due to wind turbines? Um, I don't know if they would, I don't think that any impact would, or any positive impact would occur because of the turbine themselves. Like, for example, being close to a turbine in, uh, in a county such as Chatham-Kent wouldn't necessarily increase the value. However, if there, you know, if there's a, if there's some increase in the, the economic activity that occurs in a municipality, you know, because of, uh, because of the wind energy construction, that could lead to overall uh, an increase in, in demand for houses in a, within a municipality. So that could lead to more of a, perhaps a, a slight general increase in property values. Uh, so I don't think it's the turbines themselves that would cause that increase. I think it's just if there's a, you know, if there's increase in economic activity that's occurring in general, it leads to more of a general increase in, in demand for properties, which can then uh, start to increase the price.
Hello, Professor Vine. My name is Melissa. Thanks for speaking with us today. You state that your study may help explain the lack of consensus in the literature regarding the impact of wind turbines on property values. What do you conclude are the main factors, and are there other factors that you now consider to help explain the lack of consensus? Yeah, I think there's a number of, of factors that can contribute to whether or not you observe impacts on property values. And so I use the, the example of attitudes toward wind energy. And I think there, there can be differences in attitudes towards wind energy because of a number of, uh, of, of factors that, that may vary depending on the context. So, for example, if, if you're in, a, in an area where, you know, like in Ontario, where you don't feel you've had much say in, in terms of whether or not a wind farm gets developed, uh, so if, if you're a resident there and it seems like it just gets pushed through without considering feedback from the residents, so you, you, know, you don't feel like you've had any say in the matter, that can lead you to perhaps view wind energy more negatively or view wind turbines more negatively. Uh, so that's, the, and this, this is something that has been mentioned a couple of times in related literature uh, about certain, certain types of contexts that could contribute to more of a negative view of wind energy. So whether you've had some say in the process, whether, whether there's some additional benefits provided. So some of the wind energy developers may provide some community benefits, whether it's you know, making financial contributions to the local community in some way. Obviously, they're also paying the, uh, the landowners on, on which the wind turbines are constructed, but providing some, some types of benefits. Um, what we saw here in Ontario is a lot of situations, as I mentioned, that that uh, where, where the provincial government would essentially override what the municipality wants and essentially would, would ignore the concerns of the residents. And it wasn't for, for lack of trying because there were a lot of communities that were very vocal in their opposition to the, the wind energy development. But I think when it gets pushed through like that, that can lead to a lot of, uh, of hard feelings and can certainly cause people to, to view wind turbines and wind energy in general more negatively. So some of these, uh, some of these things can, can then further contribute to the observed impacts on property values. Whereas if you're in a municipality or any kind of location where you feel like you've had a say in the process, you know, you've, you, if there are concerns, they've been, they've been handled well, uh, they've been discussed, you feel like, you know, there, there's some things maybe you aren't so sure about, but you, you had the forum through which to discuss these things and to, and to, and to get those questions answered um, and to get those concerns addressed, then you, you may end up feeling more positive towards wind energy and you may be less likely to, uh, to observe impacts. Uh, so some of these things actually, I think, have contributed to, to a difference in impacts even among my own studies. So the first study that I did here in Ontario was looking at impacts or, or looking, trying to find whether impacts occurred around the, the first major wind farm that was constructed in the province. So that was in, in Melanchthon Township. Uh, it was a very large wind farm, but in that case, the, the municipality decided on their own to have this wind farm constructed. Uh, I think there were some concerns expressed along the way. It's not like everybody was in favor of it, but it certainly didn't get the backlash that a lot of uh, uh, future wind farm developers had when, when they tried to propose their, their wind farms. And, and I think that was one of the contributing factors is that they, that township made the decision and they, you know, they went through the process. Uh, so when I looked at, the, uh, at, the, at that wind farm and looked for impacts, I didn't find any 
significant impacts there. And I know when I first reported those results, that came, you know, a few years after I had actually done the, the research. And that, that study got published kind of during a period where the controversy was really taking off. Uh, so people weren't, weren't convinced about those results. And when you look at the results of, of this paper that I have where I do find negative impacts, and a question that may come up is, you know, why, you know, why is there no impacts in this study and, and you do find impacts in this study? Does that discredit the results of your original study? And I, I would argue that the results of my current study actually support those of the, uh, the first study. Because if you consider how the process went in Melanchthon Township, uh, they, that would definitely fit the definition of an unopposed municipality. And I didn't find any negative impacts occurring there. And so that's, uh, that's consistent with the results that I find in this more recent study. So there, there are, there are or the way that impacts can occur, I think, is definitely dependent on the context of each situation. And there's going to be a number of factors. And I think it's important for wind farm developers to understand this. You know, what, what's, going to, uh, what's going to lead to perhaps a, a better route to take in terms of getting this wind farm constructed um, if you want to minimize the impacts on property values, minimize the backlash that you get from residents? Uh, because it certainly appears to, to have a big impact as to whether or not impacts are going to occur. Hi, Professor Vine. You conclude that the effect of wind turbines on property values are more pronounced in communities that have identified themselves as unwilling hosts. Do you think that in the future, municipalities will seek out greater autonomy over what they can occur in their jurisdiction? I think this kind of a big impact on, on that. Um, when you look at, you know, if, if you're a municipality where obviously you have control over some things that occur within your municipality uh, and you kind of look to the, the province for support for other other aspects in terms of what goes on in your municipality. When you've gone through a situation like this where you've made a decision as a municipality, but then that decision gets overridden by the provincial government, I think it, it has kind of broken the trust between municipalities and, uh, and the provincial government and may certainly cause municipalities to try and you know, make more of these decisions on their own because now they're not convinced that the provincial government necessarily is going to have their back on a lot of things. Uh, so I think, I think you, you may see, in, you know, sort of in, in backlash to what the, the, the steps that the province took regarding wind energy development, you may see municipalities trying to kind of separate themselves from the province and, and yes, try and, and be a little more autonomous in some of the decisions that they make that, that, that are going to have an impact on their municipality, making sure that they're the primary driver of the decision-making process. Not that they don't want the, the provincial government involved, but I think because they, they feel like the, uh, the, the trust has been broken a bit there, they're certainly going to want to try and do more things on their own. I can see that as, as sort of a, a natural reaction to, to how things went in some municipalities. Hi, Richard. Taylor DuPont speaking. So I'd like your opinion on future issues regarding wind energy. energy. So your paper made it apparent that a variety of socioeconomic impacts influence people's attitudes on wind turbines. For example, you discussed the idea that job loss in Chatham-Kent influenced resident support for wind turbines as they hoped to improve their economy. So looking into the future, what is your opinion about other external economic effects? For example, how would the support um, of wind turbines uh, change if the economy were to enter into a recession? 
That's a good question. Um, I think if, if you are in a situation where you go into a recession, if, if it's more of a general recession, I'm not sure what exactly that would do you know, regarding perceptions and, and attitudes towards wind turbines. But I think if, if you're in a, in a municipality where, yeah, you are experiencing some hard times economically and you're given an opportunity to perhaps, you know, create a lot of jobs through, you know, through something like wind energy development, I, I think that may change the picture a little bit for you in terms of how you view wind energy. Um, you know, it's particularly if, you know, your family has been hard hit by the downturn in the economy, you know, losing jobs and so on, you, you're, you're probably going to not be as concerned about some of these other impacts of wind turbines if, you know, the, the fact that having a, a wind farm constructed in your municipality may, you know, may create jobs and, uh, and generate income for your family. So I, I think that could have an impact. Um, I, you know, what happened in Chatham-Kent, you know, I think that the, the situation there may have contributed. I don't know for sure, but it may have contributed to a difference in attitudes towards wind energy relative to some other unwilling host municipalities. So it's hard to say exactly. I think it really depends on the situation. But, you know, I think, I think there is the, the potential that, you know, negative economic uh, downturn would, uh, could lead to a little less resistance to wind energy development. Uh, hi, Professor Vine. Thank you for your time today. Uh, so property values would most likely be the most negatively impacted at the height of public opposition and media coverage. Uh, however, as time passes, interest in the topic declines. So do you think the negative effect of wind tur turbines on property values will lessen as time passes, or will these old concerns and stigmas persist? I think there's definitely the possibility that you could see the, the impacts wane a little bit. Um, when you look at some studies that have been done of how people perceive turbines and their impacts, uh, it's been kind of interesting that the, uh, th there's, been, there's been some evidence that people that are in areas where tur turbines have already been constructed uh, view turbines less negatively than in areas where wind farms are being proposed. So, so, so yes, I think you may see that uh, you know, as, as time goes on, that the negative impacts and the negative perceptions of turbines may change. And, and some of that just, I think, has to do with the fact that you know, th there's that passing of time. You're, you're further away from the point in time at which that change occurred. And I think it's the change that really drives the, the negative perceptions. I mean, people naturally resist change. You know, we like things the way they are. That, you know, unless we see a good reason to change things, you know, we don't... We don't want that, and especially when a change occurs for which there are unknowns. Uh, and that has been a big issue in Ontario. We, we don't know what the health impacts of wind turbines are. And, you know, earlier on, we didn't really know what the property value impacts were. So when something like that, when, when a change like that is introduced that has all these unknowns, it naturally is going to generate some resistance. Now, when you look at communities where wind turbines have been there for a little while, um, you're, you're no longer introducing that change. Perhaps they've gotten a little bit used to them, and perhaps, perhaps they have a little more information about what the impacts actually are. Maybe they are less concerned about that. Uh, so, so I think that as time goes on, yeah, you may not see as much of an impact. There may still be people that are unwilling to live close to them, even if they've been there for 10 years or more. 
so there, there may still be a little bit of an impact, but I think that would certainly be an interesting study is to look at, you know, is, is there a difference in impact between, say, the first five years versus, you know, the, the, the 10 years following that period uh, to see whether, uh, whether the magnitude of the impact changes at all. And, you know, at, at some point, do the impacts disappear? I, you know, I think that would be interesting to take a look at. I think here, you know, because in Ontario, the, the wind energy industry just has developed so quickly that, you know, we're still kind of more at the, the beginning stages and we can't really see what, what's going to happen longer term. But if you have the ability to, to compare impacts, you know, over a longer period of time, I think that would be an interesting uh, topic of study to see whether, whether, whether these impacts are going to uh, be reduced over time. Rich, we're coming to the end of the podcast, but I, I wanted to say that this podcast is listened to fairly widely from policymakers to the generally interested public to academics um, really throughout the world. And I wanted to make sure that there was there, – if there's anything that you wanted to add that may, we might not have covered or if you want to talk a little bit about where you might be going in with respect to future research, you know, feel free to do so. Right. Yeah, I think – I think what's come out of this study is that the context really does matter. Uh, you know, how the wind energy development occurs, uh, you know, whether people feel involved in the process, whether they feel like they have a say, I think that, that certainly contributes to the nature of the impacts, meaning whether you're going to see impacts on property values or not. So if you're, if you're in a jurisdiction that is considering wind energy development where there previously has not been any, I think this speaks to the, the need to, to go through a process uh, very, very transparently and, and make sure you get the, the feedback from residents and at least try to take steps to get them on board, to, to understand what the, the impacts could be, um, and to also, to also look at the, the, the positive benefits that you can have from wind energy development. Because you know, I think a lot of those may have gotten lost in the, in the controversy that we've had here in Ontario there, there are some benefits. Um, so, so trying to, to pre- present that information to, to residents uh, rather than just kind of pushing the development through and just trying to get the, the wind farm developed. I think it's important to, if, if you want the process to go well and if you want to minimize the impacts on your residents, uh, that's an important step to take. I think there's still more to learn about, uh, about the impacts. You know, in, in my study, I found that uh, the impacts extended about four kilometers away from from the nearest wind turbine. So, at some point, the the impacts do start to uh, diminish, where you don't see any any significant impacts any longer. But just kind of getting an understanding as to you know how at, at what distance do do impacts typically decline and become minimal. Uh, so, taking a look at that and and understanding you know the the magnitude of the impact too. So that's found to vary depending on where you are. Um, yeah, so I think, I think there's still more room for looking into this. And certainly the, you know, the question regarding whether impacts may decline over time, I mean, that's, that's worth looking at at some point down the road. Um, I, I am interested in finding out a little bit more about factors that influence the municipality's decision to declare themselves an unwilling host or not. Um, but I think, you know, when, again, when we look at all the studies that have been done, you know, we're, we're no longer in a period where there hasn't been enough studies done to, to understand this issue. I think from the studies that we've seen, you know, there, sure, there are some limitations of these studies, but 
the, the literature has gotten to a point where you know, we've been able to address a number of these limitations, but yet we're still finding that there, there, there's no, uh, there's, the, the, the effects are varied. You know, in some areas you do find impacts and others you don't. Um, so I, I hope that, uh, that my, my study will be helpful, uh, you know, also for those that are doing research on this issue, uh, you know, hopefully highlighting the fact that, uh, that, these, that, the, that the context can contribute to differences in impacts, like even within a province of Ontario. So it's not like all across a province we see the same impact occurring everywhere. We, there's differences, you know, from one jurisdiction to another. Uh, so that's important to consider, and I think uh, it's important to understand. And, and overall, I hope that this, you know, this does make a positive contribution to, to, to studies on this issue and just to, to knowledge on this issue in general. Well, on behalf of Land Economics and the class and uh, all the listeners, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us at Fair Talk. We hope you will continue to check our website for updates and the latest podcasts.